Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. probably sick to death of this, and it may be the kind of thing that will follow you the rest of your life. The deal with the chair. You flipped a chair onto the floor the Purdue game. You must be tired of hearing that. Well, but, you know, I've not really discussed exactly everything that went on behind it. But There people, was a story behind the chair. Well, throwing. people jump at conclusions uh-huh, sure. automatically with yeah. the thing, and the game has kind of gone on, and I hear somebody across the floor keep hollering, Coach! Coach! Coach Knight! And I try not, I get all kinds of suggestions. I try not to pay any attention to it. And finally I get up and I'm up and down a lot. And one time I'm standing up and I look across the floor and Coach Knight! And here's a little old lady Mm -hmm. across the floor that reminded me of my grandmother. Oh, that's sweet. And I thought so. And I thought particularly to take time out during the course of a tough game. And I said, did you want me for something? And she just said, if you're not going to sit down any more today than you have so far, could I have your chair? <laughs> Flipped it on over. I didn't realize it. There it is. Whoa! <laughs> so... Obviously, now that we know the full story, you were doing the gentlemanly thing. All right, so you may be wondering, what does throwing a chair across the floor have anything to do with the Word of God? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that today you don't do it physically, but I hope that you do it spiritually today, that you are willing to get up out of your chair and to do something for the kingdom of God. If I have not had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Lance Perupski, and along with my wife, Angel, we co-pastor here at Radiant Life Church. And man, we'd love an opportunity after service to meet you at the Welcome Center just to connect with you and say thanks for being our guest. Uh, today, we're jumping into a brand new sermon series that we've entitled, Get in the Game. Get in the game. And next Sunday, if you're, if you're not aware, there's a, a football game that happens every year called the Super Bowl. And so we're going to be doing uh, a Super Sunday All right, so we're going to encourage each and every one of you to show up wearing your game jersey, any game jersey, and or your favorite team's colors. So I expect to see everybody in brown and and orange next week. Uh, If not, I will surely judge you from the platform. I won't do that, but I just expect to see that you'll be wearing brown and orange. Uh, There's going to be some fun games, a little football toss, uh, best dressed. All right, it's going to get some prizes, some gift cards, some BW3's gift cards. So if you like wings, you're going to want to get in the game next week. All right, you're going to want to participate. I think it was just a few years ago, is Renee Chenevy in the house? Renee, she came ready to go. She had eye black on. She had pom-poms. I think she had a football. She was in Browns gear. So, of course, she won, right? When you're rooting for the Browns, you're going to win. Uh, Well, that's because you're a loser like I am, and then you need some encouragement. And so she won. It was great. But, man, just show up ready to go because we're going to get in the game. You're going to get, hopefully today, you're going to be a little fired up. All right, like, and I'm not saying I'm going to be give, I'm like your coach, I'm, I'm still the, the preacher, but I'm just a little fired up to be preaching this word, to be jumping into this series this morning. And I hope that through this series, God activates something powerful in your life. We have a, we have a theme verse that we're going to be looking at. It's from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22. 
And it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So just don't read it and go, that was a really good story. No, read it and go, okay, now what is it asking of me? If, if it's asking me to worship, then I'm going to worship. If it's asking me to love my neighbor, then I'm going to love my neighbor. If it's asking me to be obedient to my parents, then I'm going to be obedient to my parents. You know what I'm saying? Front row, second row, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's good stuff. And so I'm going to do what it says. So I'm going to read it, and then more importantly, I'm going to apply it. And our heart over this series is that we're going to move from a spectator to a participant. Right? We're going to move from, from sitting to standing. We're going to move and put ourselves in a position that says, man, I, I'm all in. And I hope that God does something amazing in your life through this series. As I was walking through the foyer for the first service, our 9 a.m., I was carrying some elements, and I think people were a little scared. I think in that moment, Pastor Anthony uh, kicked me off of first impressions uh, because I'm not so sure it felt so welcoming. Uh, and you'll see here in a little bit because I was practicing my juggling, which I'm not very good at. Um, but if I were to ask you, what do you think is the most dangerous tool, the most dangerous weapon you have in your house? What do you think your answer would be? Did you know that almost a half a million injuries occur every year with this one household object? Now understand you're like, well, you bought a butcher knife. Yes. And so this device right here, over almost a half a million injuries occur per year because of knives. Now I'm assuming they are unintentional injuries, like people cutting vegetables and up. Like I'm assuming they're unintentional. I'm, I'm assuming that you're not standing in your kitchen ready to shank somebody over the last piece of bacon. Like, I dare you. A pity the fool. Now, I'm assuming that you all love Jesus and you're not doing that. All right, so this would be a dangerous instrument. The, over 110,000 injuries per year happen because of power tools. So I was walking through the foyer carrying a knife and a, a circular saw, and people were like, what are you about to do? I was like, listen, there's no battery. Safety first, people, all right? I'm not going to hurt myself this morning. So over 110,000 injuries per year with power tools. I see that happening, right? I, I told you, if you've ever been there, right? Yesterday I was doing some, some work at my daughter's house and I was like, this is probably a bad idea. And uh, luckily I didn't stab myself, so it, it worked out okay. But there is, there, is a, there is something in your home that is more dangerous than the knife and more dangerous than the power tools. There is something here in this church that is more dangerous than that knife and that power tool. Does anybody know what it is? You would think, hold on a minute. Just for the people in the front row. Does everybody know what this is? It's a pillow. Did you know that, that 40,000 people per year get injured because of a pillow? See, back in my day, when we weren't sissies, this is what we did. We would, we would have pillow fights. And we would jam the pillow as tight as we could into the bottom of the pillowcase because then it felt more like a rock. Right? And I was inspired by Karate Kid, so I would do the sweep the legs. Like for me, I was swinging at the feet, knocking them down, and then just beating the snot out of them while they lay on the ground. I didn't know Jesus then, okay, so don't judge me. Okay, but here's the deal. 40,000 because of pillows. And you're like, so that's pretty dangerous. You know what's more dangerous than all that? Is the thing you're sitting in right now. And that's a chair. And you're like, how, how is the chair the most dangerous thing that the church has, the, the most dangerous thing that we have in our house? Because it's the thing that makes us the most comfortable. And, and oftentimes we settle for what makes us most comfortable because we, come, we become comfortable with our complacency. And, and, and God didn't send his one and only son so that we could live comfortably. He sent his one and only son so that we could live passionately with a purpose. And so he's called us to, to, to be people of passion. And so I feel like it's time for the church to wake up and get in the game. You got to wake up and get in the game. 
Now, some of you, you may not like being startled when you wake up. How many people are like that? You don't want to be startled. Like, so this is last year. We're getting ready to take a family vacation. We try to go once a year, take all the kids. And my oldest, Bree, uh, is engaged to a worship pastor from Youngstown. And um, his name's Brendan. He's been with us a few times, helping us lead worship here. And so we're like, hey, Brendan, you're a part of the family. And so we'd love for you to join us on family vacation. And uh, it started off a little interesting because uh, he had COVID. And so he wasn't able to make the drive with us. And so he flew down. I don't know if that was intentional or unintentional yet. Uh, Jury's still out, but he flies down. We pick him up from the airport and it's vacation. And I don't know about you, but Angel and I, we, it's like we don't set alarms for vacations because it's our time to finally just unwind and just eliminate the distractions. So when we wake up, we wake up. It's, it's, the sun will be there when we wake up. We're at the beach. All right, so we went to Sunset Beach, North Carolina, stayed with our cousins there, and uh, they have a, a two-bedroom condo, and we had the one side, and it was great, and things are going well, and then it's first night, and we tell everybody multiple times. My kids know it, and so we look at Brendan, we're like, hey, Brendan, we don't set alarms. Because he was like, hey, what's up? What time's everybody getting up? And we're like, when we feel like it. Like, that's what time we're going to get up. And so everything's peaceful. Everything's great. No one has their alarm sets. Everybody plugs in their phone. It's bedtime. Everybody goes to sleep. 6 a.m. Somebody's phone goes off to an alarm. An alarm that scares the living daylights out of me. I wake up ready to murder someone because my, ha- my heart is beating out of my chest because of this alarm. And I'm like, what time is it? It's 6 a.m. Why? Why? Do- we said don't set your alarm. Okay. We love Jesus. We'll give you some grace. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Ne- Later on that day, we're like, hey, Brennan, do me a favor. Could you please make sure I get, it was automated, you forgot. It automatically sets to 6 a.m. every day, so you wake up. Cool, cool, I'm good with that, I'm good with that. But tomorrow, would you mind doing us a favor and making sure you do not set your alarm? Yes, I got this, I got this. Before we go to bed, Brennan, make sure your alarm is turned off. Got it, done, okay. 6 a.m. the next morning. Alarm goes off. And all you hear in this still, peaceful, quiet, yet stern voice from Pastor Angel, Brendan. <laughs> Alarm off, doesn't say a word. I was like, you're a smart man. Because you, you, in this moment, in this moment, I'm deciding if you're going to live. Like in this moment, I'm trying to figure out, are you really the one for my daughter? Like this is unacceptable. Like I want to murder you now, but I don't know if I can get away with it with everybody in this room. Now you may be thinking like, was it a crazy bling, 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 like type alarm? No, no, his alarm was taken from a sermon. And the title of the sermon was wake up. And so just the way I was woken up two days in a row at 6 a.m., I want you to wake up and listen to this sermon. So here is the ringtone that he sent me that I listened to two days in a row. Take a listen. Wake up! Wake up, people! Wake up! Yeah, you're welcome. That's what I had to deal with. Wake up! And I was like, I am! <laughs> and you're going to be dead. And that's, that's pretty much what happened. And then luckily I have this gift of being able to go back to sleep. My wife does not have that same gift. So um, yeah, Brendan's lucky. That's all I can say. But, but it's that. It's that heart of wake up. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get in the game. So this morning, I want to share with you six principles of how we go from spectator to participant. How do we get in the game of chasing after Jesus? And the first, if you're taking notes, and by the way, 
If you're taking notes and you want some help, if you download the Radiant Life Church app, there's a note section where you can just click on that and it autofills all of the things that I'm saying. You don't even have to type. Like the exact opposite of what we're telling you to do in this sermon, you're able to do. All right, and it's just done for you and it's easy, but make sure you download that app. Number one is this, is be careful what you go looking for. I've never gone to the furniture store, walked in and said, hey, listen, I'm here for the most uncomfortable piece of furniture you have on the floor. Could you point me in the direction to the chair that's going to be the hardest? Could you point me to the lazy boy recliner that will make my spine hurt more than any other chair you have? You don't do that. What do you go looking for? You, you want to sit in every chair. You want to sprawl out. You want to pull the recliner back. You're laying in the store. How many of you have ever went to purchase a, master, a mattress? If that's not the most awkward thing to do ever, like I'm laying in a public bed with everybody staring at me, rolling over, testing the side, left, right, is it good? Like it's so weird and awkward with everybody staring at you like, this is a little weird. Yeah. Why? Because you want something that's comfortable. And sometimes I wonder if that transitions into our life spiritually. We're looking for what's comfortable. We're, we go looking for what's easy. Oh, Pastor Lance, I heard, man, we, we talk about midweeks at RLC. That sounds, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, I just don't have time for that. Is it okay if I just send my spouse to take notes? Pastor Lance, I would love I, I, the spiritual growth plan. I'd love to get involved in that. I'd love to read my Bible. I'm just too busy. There's just not enough time in the day. And so, so I'm going to have to say no. Pastor Lance, I want to go to church, but last week I showed up and you did this missions conference and that thing went past. It was over an hour and 20 minutes long. No, unacceptable. If I'm going to show up, I need it at the hour range. If you can speak for right there and land at the hour range, I may show up. Serve. Oh, you talk about the best way to serve God is by serving others. And man, I'm all for that. But listen, when I show up, I don't show up to serve. I want people to serve me because I want comfortable. I want easy. I want something that's going, going to be there for me. And I'm here to let you know this morning, church, that God didn't create us so we would be comfortable. He created us so we could be courageous, right? To do something bold, to do something dangerous for the cause of Christ, to, to be able to, to do what he's asked us to do because he's got some very strong words. Jesus has some strong words for a church that got very comfortable. In the book of Revelation, there's seven letters that were written to seven churches, and in Revelation chapter, chapter 3, we see a, a letter written to the church of Laodicea. Now understand that these letters that were written, they were all the first six letters to the first six churches all started with, I commend you for. You do really good. And then he gets to the church of Laodicea, but there's not a, there's not a I'm commending you for this. This is really good. No, he just jumps in, and this is what he has to say to the church that's comfortable sitting in the chair. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That does not sound encouraging this morning, but this is what he, he's like, listen, I want you one way or the other. He says, you say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. A church that has become satisfied, a church that's wealthy, that's rich, that has no need, it's a church that sat down. It's a church that said, man, I just wanna be comfortable. And here's the crazy thing. This church had the most to give and they gave the least. The history, the crazy thing is the history of this church, the history of this city, it was the wealthiest city. It was the most educated people in biblical times. And yet here they are complacent. Here they are uh, growing in apathy and doing very little. But that would be the opposite life of what Jesus is asking of us. In John 10, 10, it says that Jesus is saying, he says, I, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. 
right? It's an, it's an abundant life. It's an overfilling life. In the message, it says it's a more and better life than you could ever dream of, right? That's what following Jesus is. It's abundant. It's full. It's life-giving. That's what he has to offer to us. In the Greek, the word abundant is translated. It's, it's meaning superior or beyond measure. So this week in our leadership class, we were talking about having smart goals and how a smart goal needs to be measurable, right? It has to have some type of measurement, but, but the life that Jesus wants us to have doesn't have measurement. It can't, be, it can't be put on a ruler. It can't be put in ounces or pounds because it's something that's so powerful and he wants us to have that. So Jesus came that we could experience an above the ordinary life, not just an ordinary, not like, ah, this is good, this is fine, this is mediocre, no, but above the ordinary. And Jesus gives us a great example. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus comes and he's, he's like, listen, I, di- I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And so he gave his life as a service. And Pastor Anthony said I was gonna mention it, so here it is. Real living is found in giving yourself away. It's not in what you get, it's in what you give. It's of giving of yourself, that's what Jesus did. He emptied himself, became obedient, even to death on a cross, so that we could experience life, and life to the fullest, and life that was meaningful. I think, I think the most fulfilled people on the planet approach life with this question, what can I add? rather than what can I get, right? When we, when we walk into a room, are we looking to add value to the room or are we looking to, to, to be a life sucker of the room? Are we looking to take something? Are we looking to give something? When we leave, when we leave that room, do we feel like we've, we've left value? Do we feel like we've left encouragement and kindness and generosity? And so what if our approach was, man, what can I add instead, instead of what can I get? So that's the first thing is we need to make sure that we be careful of what we go looking for. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for mediocrity. Mediocrity is literally translated as, as going halfway up the, a difficult summit of a mountain. Right? You're going halfway up. You get there and you're like, man, this is starting to get really hard and, and so I should probably stop. And so you, it, it compromises our abil- abilities. It compromises our potential. Uh, mediocrity says, I'm on my way up, but guess what? It's easier to go back down than it is to keep going forward. And so instead of pushing through with perseverance, with faith, with love, what do we do? We turn around and we go back the other way and we're like, man, it's more comfortable here. It's easier here. Life isn't as difficult when we keep climbing, but if we just settle right here, then we're good. And I would encourage you, don't settle for a mediocre life. Push in, push in. So what happens oftentimes is we, when we stop growing, we start dying. Or when we stop challenging ourselves, when we stop growing, when we stop reading, when we stop learning to, to expand the capacity of our heart is when we start dying. Familiarity sets in and what was new is now mundane and it's comfortable and, and now we're just comfortable with cruising on autopilot. Many of us had big dreams and goals and visions when we were younger. Like this is it, this, this is what I wanna do. Here's what I wanna do when I, wanna, when I grow up and then life sets in. I mean, no, life catches us all. Like, oh, you know what? I had these hearts, I had these goals, I really wanted to do big things for God. Unfortunately, there's bills, there's car payments, there's kids, right? There's debt, there's a house payment. I have to, I have to provide food, and now what am I supposed to do? And now all of a sudden, this survival mentality takes over. I'm just doing what I have to do to get by. I just wanna survive, I'm not trying to thrive, I just need to make it through till tomorrow. But I never met anybody who said, listen, I can't wait to grow up, because when I grow up, when I grow up, I can't wait to get to middle management. When I grow up, I am so looking forward to being, to being paycheck to paycheck. That's my dream. I just want to be able to pray that God would always increase because there's never enough. 
I can't wait to grow up because I know that when I grow up, my life will not have any meaning or value. You know, when I grow up, here's what I'm expecting to happen. I just want to be a yes man or a yes woman. Whatever anybody tells me to do, I'm just going to do whatever anybody tells me to do. No, no, that's usually not our dreams. And so why do we settle for mediocre? Why do we settle for a mediocre marriage? You got to put some energy. You got to put some work. You got to put some effort into it. Pastor Angel and I have been married over 25 years, right? I know she was like 10. Don't, it's fine. No, no, but here, but, but we've been married over 25 years. We're on day five of a 14 day challenge, right? To increase the capacity and the love for our marriage. Why? Because we're not on autopilot. There are more things to learn about her and, and, and for me. And so we want to keep falling, right? You fell in love, you fall out of love, fall back in love. But that means you got to put effort and don't settle for, for mediocre. Go after it. Challenge yourselves. Don't, don't settle to be a mediocre parent. Like, ah, you know what? I'm much better than mine. That's awesome. But man, give, give the, go the extra mile. Go the extra effort. Man, Pastor Lance, do you know what it's like every day when they want to play catch outside? Yes. Walk outside and play catch. Even, you're like, but you don't understand. They're not good. Even more so, the better. Encourage them. Do life with them. They just want to spend time with you. So don't settle for being a mediocre friend or a mediocre parent. And don't settle for being a mediocre friend. Your friend has a need, help meet that need. There's something happening in their life, text them, reach out to them. Love them, give kindness, give, give grace. Go above and beyond. And don't settle for a mediocre relationship with God. Right? I wonder if, if I want you, just for a moment, and I'm not going to ask you to do it. I've, I've, encouraged, I've told people, like, hey, do this. Just swipe left on your phone. If you have an, an Apple phone, an iPhone, and you can see how much time you spend and where you spend your time. I just want to challenge you with this. What if you spend half of that time in the word of God? So if you spend five hours on your phone a day, could you imagine if you spent two and a half hours in the word of God, what that would transform for your life, what that would mean to you, the value it would add? And this isn't to shame you because I don't do that. I'm just saying, would it be a challenge to us to say, man, what, what am I investing my life in? If I don't want a mediocre relationship with God, am I willing to put the investment in? Do you know that next Sunday, there are gonna be some people who are gonna, who are gonna win the NFL Super Bowl and they will have never participated in the game. They will have sat on the sidelines and every, every single one of them is gonna get a Mac Daddy $25,000 diamond ring. Like it's gonna be bling, it's gonna be great. And as much as that's exciting, as much as it's going to be like, yeah, I was, you know, Super Bowl, and it was pretty cool, we won, here's my ring. Do you know what all of those players on the sideline hopes will happen? That they'll get to play. The money's great, but no one goes, man, I just can't wait to ride the bench. No, they say, man, I want to play. I'm here. I'm in the game. Do you know what's better than saying I have a ring? I played. I made a difference. And I think it's time for us to get in the game. But also, if we want to move from spectator to participant, I think we have to stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Do you know everyone has a reason to sit in their chair? We all have an excuse. We all have a reason. Like right now, you're like, well, what would you like for me to do? Stand up? No, just stay seated, all right? But we all have a reason. There's always an excuse. Like, Pastor Lance, you don't get it. I'm too old. I can't, I get, I, this thing's comfortable and I need to sit in it. I'm so grateful here at Radiant Life Church. This morning, we had someone serving in the nursery who is over 80 years old. What? Phenomenal. You're like, can they even hold a baby? Listen, I'll tell you right now, this person will fight you and win, all right? That's how much I know. But, but, but they're willing to serve because why? They're, they're, if they're still drawing breath, God's not done. He's not done. And I love, that, I love that our little bit more mature saints are willing to say, listen, I'll take the lead. I'll keep serving. I'll keep giving. I'll keep loving. I'll keep supporting. 
And so they don't use it as an excuse. So you can't use it as an excuse. I'm just too old. You're never too old. Nowhere do I see the word retirement in scripture. When I say retirement, I'm not saying you're going to keep doing your profession. What I'm saying is you, you never retire from advancing the kingdom of God. He's always wanting to use you. If you still have breath, he's not done. So one day I will step away from the pulpit. But that, that to me is the beginning of another layer or another season of life where I get to, to meet totally different people and to be able to preach the gospel in other ways because retirement isn't the option. So we don't make excuses. But you don't understand, Pastor Lance, I'm still young. I gotta go to college. I got dreams for the future. I'm gonna get married one day and I gotta, I gotta save up for a house. And so I'll start giving when I'm settling in. When, when life seems to be a little bit slower and I'm not so busy, then I'll go. I'll give. Last week, we talked about missions trips and the opportunity to go on one of those trips. Did you know, hear me on this? If you save $8 a week, you could go to the New York City missions trip this year. $8 a week. That's a burrito. Wait a minute. That's more like a French fry from McDonald's in today's, today's society. I totally forgot that, right? But think about it, eight bucks a week. Can you imagine in this year in December, us going, hey, listen, we're gonna cancel service. Why? Because we're all going to New York. Because we all saved $8 a week. We passed on that cup of coffee and we're ready to go. But it's that mindset of, man, we just can't make excuses. Complacency is not your destiny, right? This chair that you're sitting on is not it. Like, man, I can't wait to arrive because when I get to that lazy boy in the sky, it's gonna be great. No, complacency is not our destiny. And so I think it's time for us to get in the game. A number of years ago, I've done, I think I've done this sermon twice. This is one of my favorite sermons. Uh, it's entitled Big Butts. Some of you are like, hmm, I'd like to hear that one. Uh, just catch with me for a little bit. Uh, it's big buts, that we all make excuses. We have big bucks. We have big excuses. Like, but God, I, you don't understand. I'm too, I'm too young. God, you don't understand. But God, I'm, I'm, t- I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough money. I'm not smart enough. And we make all the excuses. And I wonder if, I wonder if we could just transform that statement for a little bit and say, but God. But God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But God w- will never leave me for, nor forsake me. But even though the doctor's report may, may, may not look promising, but God can show up and heal any disease. But we got to stop with the excuses. Number four is too often we live for the moment and not our purpose. We're stuck in that survival day-to-day mode and we're not living for our purpose. We're so focused on, on, on the moment that we miss the bigger picture. I wonder if your life was a mural and it was placed on a billboard, what would it look like? What would, it, what would people paint of you? I don't know why we didn't do this sooner, but uh, last year, Pastor Angel and I, we, we went on our sabbatical. We were able to go to Arkansas and Georgia and, um, and, other, and other places. And we we're like, man, we should start collecting these Starbucks cups because they're, you know, it's something to just keep of where you've been and just remind you of the memories that you had. And so we started collecting them. And uh, on those cups, it has, you know, it has drawings, it has pictures of something that's great, either in the state or in that country, something you could participate in, something they're known for. And I wonder if someone drew a cup for you, what would be on it? What picture or mural would they, would they create of who you are? And if you're here this morning, again, this is not shame. This is not, well, now I feel guilty. No, this is, hey, man, there's tomorrow. There's another day for you to go, man, I, I would want this to be on my cup. I would want this to be on my mural. P- seeing me sacrifice and seeing my heart for Jesus, that's really what I want to be known for. For some of you, your job aligns with your purpose. For others, your job will fund your purpose. 
right? So for me, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and so it's, it's right there, and, and, and it's in alignment. But others, your job will fund your purpose. That's not your calling, right? That's a career that gives you to the, the opportunity to fulfill your calling. I think about the Apostle Paul. He was an apostle, but he was a tent maker that helped fund his purpose. And so your, your, your career right now may be funding the bigger picture if you're willing to say yes to it. I think of someone like Solomon in the Old Testament who, who is to be the, in the Bible, we look at as the wisest to ever live. But he struggled on how to live this John 10, 10 life, on how to, how to live with abundance and fulfillment. He had all the wealth, all the power, and all the pleasure. In, a class, in Ecclesiastes 2, chapter or chapter two, verses 10 and 11, this is what he says. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything, not some things, not one thing, he says everything was meaningless. Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. That was where, that's where Jesus met me, right? When I, you're, you're filling your body with anything and everything, trying to find pleasure in anything and everything, and yet nothing ever satisfies. This, this is Solomon. I, I've done and I've seen and I never denied myself, and yet I feel like everything in this life is meaningless. And he ends with, I was chasing after the wind. So number five, if you're taking notes, is God created us to be world changers, not wind chasers. Don't chase the wind. I've been here where you feel like your life has no meaning, no purpose. You feel like, God, why, why am I here? But I believe that deep within all of our hearts is an opportunity and a dream to make a difference in this world. Whether it's small, whether it's large, there is something within us that says, man, there has to be more to life than just myself. And so I would encourage you this morning, for those watching online, those in the room, man, get in the game. Wake up. Wake up to something bigger, something greater. Man, you, you look at midweeks and you're like, man, I need to be a part of that. I gotta stop making the excuses because I want my marriage to be better. I wanna learn what it is to have spiritual formation in my life. Man, I feel like God has put something in my life about missions and outreach, so I'm gonna go to that class. I'm not gonna make any more excuses. I'm gonna get in the game. Pastor Anthony, just a little bit ago, if you're part of our Radiant Life community group if, in Facebook, if you're not, make sure you ask to join that. And just a few hours ago, he, he posted in there the spiritual growth plan that we're on. And I would encourage you to be a part of it. You'd be like, well, no, that started in January, so it's too late. It's never too late. It doesn't matter what was done the first 35 days. It matters what you do today. So jump in, be a part of it. At the bottom of it, it says, talk it over. Man, you can, you can chat in there with everybody else from church who's walking through the plan and say, man, this is, what I got out, this is what I read. This is what it meant to me. Did it mean the same to you? And I will tell you this, every day, it's been so life-giving and encouraging. Start serving. Get in the game. Get in the game, start serving. You're like, no, I can't. Yes, you can. Did you know there is more than enough spots to serve? Now you're like, so does that mean there's, there's, there's people missing on teams? No, our teams are full, but our teams need to expand. Why? Because in 18 months from now, two years from now, we're going to plant our third campus. We're going to, which means we're going to need 40, 50 volunteers to go to the next campus. And so if we remove 40 to 50 volunteers, that will leave a gap. We don't want a gap. We want so many volunteers that when 40 to 50 volunteers leave, 40 or 50 have already been serving and ready to go. I get the notification on my phone via email when someone signs up to serve. This week, I was like, ooh, someone signed up to serve. And I was like, wait a minute. This woman just had a baby a few weeks ago. 
This woman's only been coming to the church for just a few short months. And yet she's all in. I was like, that's, that's my girl queen right there. Like that, that, like it was, I was like, yes. I was like, that's what we need. We need people who are willing to say yes. God, whatever it has for me, whatever you have for me, I just want to get in the game. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant. But Pastor Lance, come on now, please. I get this. You want us to change the world. My husband can't change the toilet paper roll. How is he going to change the world? Start small. One act of love. One act of love. A few weeks ago, Pastor Anthony mentioned it in our Welcome Home series from Zechariah. Don't forget the small beginnings. Don't forget that, that small beginning where, where it starts. You don't have to do everything, but you can do something. You don't have to do everything, but you can do something. I love on Thursdays, we have our second campus over at Rosemary Community, Rosemary Community Dinner. It's phenomenal. I love it. And then also in January, we launched uh, Recovery 836, a faith-based recovery program right here at Radiant Life Church starting at 7 o'clock. I love, I love being in that room. I love being in those spaces. Do you, people who are going through recovery know how to celebrate. One day, this is the first day I've made it 24 hours without going back to my addiction. Let's celebrate. Yeah, you're like, yeah. And then it's like, I made it one week. Let's celebrate. Yes, one week. And then it's like, I've made it an entire month. And you're like, that's my dude right there, an entire month. And then a month turns into a year. And then a year turns into a decade. My neighbor this year, Jim Moyer, he was in our first service. Man, he, this year he will celebrate 20 years of sobriety. Isn't that awesome? Let's go. 20 years. But you will never get to 20 years if you don't start with day one. Like, well, I just, I, I, I don't know if I can do it. No, you, you, you have God within you, but God. Won't he do it? Won't he show up? Won't he begin to take away the, that desire of our, the, that flesh and begin to replace it for a passion after him? And so you can make it one day, in two days, in one week, in two weeks, in one month, in two months. But it starts with one day. So you don't have to do everything, but you can do something. And then last, as we close out our service, is be willing to get out of the chair. And I get, some of you may have to do a Bobby Knight. I wouldn't try this for those of you watching online with your recliner, like picking that sucker up and winging it out of the living room. But some of us, spiritually speaking, not physically, like don't, don't start now, front row, I know how you are. Right, don't, but we need to be able to get up out of the chair. Get up out of the chair and get in the game. Are you willing to pray and have some courage? Are you, are you daring enough to break the status quo? I don't want to be like everybody else. And I don't want to pastor a church that's like every other church. So we have to be willing to break the status quo. Are we willing to pray courageous and bold prayers? Like, God, use me today to touch another human being. Use me. God, would you, would you have such a prayer life that would say, God, help me see the needs of others? Not my own, but I want to see the needs of other people. So I, I want to see people the way you see people. Are we willing to pray? God, would you allow me to be a conduit of your blessings that I could bless others? Because once we get out of the chair, the possibilities are endless. See, church, your first step in a forward direction is the beginning of freedom. Let that sink in for you. Your first step, like getting up out of that chair and taking that first step, that's freedom. Right? That's when you go, man, I, I know that God has a purpose for my life. I know that God wants to uniquely use me, handcrafted for just me to be a world changer and a person of influence. But you gotta take that first step. Start small. 
when our middle daughter, Kirsten, was born. It was, it was probably one of the most scary moments of my life. It's probably the moment where I prayed with such passion, where I was like, God, you, you have to do something because whole. So when she was born, typically as a parent, you're like, oh, their first scream and cry was beautiful. There was no scream or cry. She was purple. And everybody comes flooding into the room. The nurses, doctor, everybody's flying in and they're putting it in, they're heating her, putting her in. And next thing you know, you see the little bag and the little thing come over her little mouth and they're doing compressions on her. And I'm like, what is happening? And my breath was, was taken away and I just fervently prayed. And then they take this humongous needle and jam it into her heel and, and push the meds. And then what felt like eternity in the room, but just a few moments later, because she let her cry go. And I was like, okay, what just happened? Well, sure enough, we just thought like it was, it was just a moment. But over time, we, we saw some things that were a little bit different. She didn't have the same strength. She wasn't doing the same thing. She wasn't sitting up. She wasn't, she wasn't trying on her belly to roll over. She wasn't trying to pick herself up and crawl. And what we realized and we come to find out that she was born with a medical condition called hypotonia, which is low muscle tone. So at a very young age, she went she started with physical therapy and occupational therapy. Her entire life, she's been doing that same therapy. She's now 20, right? But it was in that moment where, where when she was little, uh, Angel used to have to sit on the floor with her and put her over her leg. And then she would have a toy out in front of her that she would encourage to reach for to kind of help pick her up. And then Pastor Angel would grab her by like the, the hips and push them together. Because if she didn't, she would let her legs just flail out looking like a frog about to jump. And so she needed the assistance. She needed the encouragement. She needed the training. And now at age 20, I don't know how, she, went, she, went to, she got a scholarship to go to school at University of Valley Forge and uh, just outside of Philly. And she got invited to be on the soccer team and she's never played soccer. And yet she played every game and never sat out. We go to a game and all the kids on the sidelines, Kiki, Kiki, and I'm like, I'm afraid she's gonna break something. <laughs> and they're cheering her on. And I was like, where does this confidence come from? Where does this hope come from? And then I, I was reminded, it started when she couldn't do it by herself. And you may be in the room today and you're like, man, I can't do it by myself. It's okay to ask for help for others because we need each other for the encouragement. We need each other for the inspiration. We need each other for strength. And surely we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for all of that. So it made a difference in her life, but it started small. The other day we got a video sent to us that was from, she's had the same physical therapist her entire life. And she sends us a little video. She was cleaning out some things. I, I think she may have been five, six, high squeaky voice. And she's on this slide, um, like just moving her hips, building everything for her was core, keeping the core tight and strength. So she's holding onto this parallel bar and she's sliding and moving back and forth and she's laughing. And the therapist is like, man, you're ready to go downhill skiing. And all of a sudden you hear this, yes. And I was like, who is that kid, right? And then all of a sudden the therapist goes, Kirsten, do you even know what downhill skiing is? And she goes, no. <laughs> and she just keeps swaying back and forth. And I was like, man, all of that work. It started in a moment, but all of that work led to strength. And all of that work led to a heart of perseverance. And all of that strength and all of that perseverance led to a passion to make Jesus famous. And I wonder if you would want to do the same thing in your life. The question was asked, what's the most expensive piece of land on planet Earth? 
Like, what's the most expensive piece of land? And so now your brain's thinking, it's churning, and you're like, what is the It's gotta be Manhattan, right? I mean, you wanna have a one-bedroom efficiency apartment, it's five grand a month. Like, it's gotta be Manhattan, that's so expensive. It's not the most expensive piece of land. What's the most, then what is it? What's the most valuable piece of land? Uh, it's gotta be the gold mines of Africa. Like, that's it. Some of you are like, there's gold mines in Africa? I just thought it was vibranium in Wakanda. No, there are gold mines in Africa. <laughs> nope, that's not it either. I know what it is. I know what it is. Because every week I have to put gas into my vehicle. So it has to be the oil fields in the Middle East. Because once you find oil, if that's a part of your family, you're a, multi, you're a billionaire. So surely that's the most valuable land is the oil fields. That's not it either. The most valuable land is found in almost every city and every community. And this isn't being morbid, but it's the local graveyard. It's where they buried all of the unwritten novels, the never launched businesses, the forgotten reconciliation of relationships. It's where hopes and dreams. I said, oh, there'll be, there, it's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. There's today. You know, the right time to make a right decision would be right now. And so how, what does it mean to get in the game? The most important thing we could ever do of getting in the game is saying yes to Jesus. So for just a moment as we close, and I'm gonna pray, would you just close your eyes? Because I wanna ask you a question. If you're ready to get in the game, it starts with a real authentic life-giving relationship with Jesus, saying yes to Jesus. Saying, Jesus, I'm all, I'm all in. Like I have everything in front of me. Here's, here's my chips, here's my cards, and I'm pushing them towards you. I want a relationship with you. I'm surrendering to you. I just don't want you to be uh, any other object in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life and Lord of it all. If you're online, one of our hosts would love to pray with you. If you're in the room this morning, all I want you to do is just raise your hand. If that's you, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. Just raise your hand. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I wanna give my life to Jesus. The only, thing, the only action step we're gonna encourage you to do is in the seat back in front of you, there's a QR code. If you scan that, there's an opportunity for you to say, yes, I, I started my relationship with Jesus today. I, I accepted Jesus. And if you go to our Connection Center, one of our hosts would love to give you a Start Strong bag because we want you to start strong. It has a devotional, a Bible, a coffee mug. We want, we want you to have the tools necessary to, to thrive and not survive in a relationship with Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are in a God of abundance, that you don't want us to just be comfortable in our complacency and, and sitting in the chair, but God, you've asked us to be courageous for you, to have purpose for you. So God, help us. Help us to be more like you. So Father, for every hand and every heart that was open to receive you today, God, I pray that we would admit our need for you, that we would believe you are the one true son of God. And we would confess that need and confess our sins and say, welcome home, Jesus. Enter my life. And God, help me to have a life that, according to your word, is full and abundant. Lord, help us today to be people of courage and of audacious faith. In Jesus' name, amen.